Revolution Day Podcast coming your way, episode 523. Steve and the Mobster joining me. We have a fun podcast today. This is going to be a great podcast to share with friends and family. Um, it's it's going to be about Blue Zone strategies for long life and health. So everybody wants to know about the Blue Zones now. And it, the Blue Zones have gotten popular recently, Mobster. There was a National Geographic exp- expedition, Dan Boetner, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He wanted to uncover the secrets of longevity. He wanted to go around the world and find out the patterns that people were doing to live over 100 years. Yeah. So they took a team of demographers, scientists, anthropologists, and they came up with the Power Nine, which we're going to kind of talk about in this podcast. And we're going to teach you how what these guys are doing and gals in these blue zones across the uh, world. So first off, we got to go over the blue zones, mobster. There's five blue zones. Uh, there's there's two in the Americas. There's two in the Mediterranean and one in Asia. So the two that are in the Americas are Loma Linda, California, which is in California. We have Nicoya, Costa Rica, which is in Central America. We have in in uh, in the Mediterranean area, Sardinia, Italy, and Icaria, Greece. And then in Asia, we have Okinawa, Japan, which if you're a Karate Kid fan, that's where Mr. Miyagi, the character, was from. So in these countries, in these uh, blue zones, they people are actually living a much longer time than even people within their country. Example, Loma Linda, California, they live over 100. They live well into the 90s and 100s. But the rest of America, for a country that's so advanced with medicine and everything, Americans are actually living less longer than they were 20 years ago. So it's really crazy that you have such a disparity. But if what I'm going to go over here in this podcast and what, what Mobster and I are going to talk about, you're going to understand what the difference is. And you can't say, well, it's genetics. You know, very, very little of this has to do with genetics because we're also going to show you an example of a guy who grew up over in one of these blue zones, moved to the United States for most of his life. And then when he got sick, he moved back to the blue zone. And ended up living on still is still alive after another 35 years, even though the doctor said he was going to die within a year. Yeah. So uh, this is really a good one to show friends and family who really are um, lost when it comes to their uh, longevity and their their health. Go ahead, mobster. Let me quote two numbers to you guys. One is that when we're talking about blue zones and I'm, I'm referring to the article, which we'll, we'll link to. When Steve Smith talks about people hitting 100 years of age, the rate is this, Steve. It's 10 times greater amount of people living to 100 than in the United States. We talked about you and I, the, the ability for medical science to repair us and to extend life. But we're talking about a natural lifestyle. We'll get into the whole details of that briefly. But a 10 times a greater rate of people hitting 100 than in the United States. That's number one. The other number, which is standout, and it stood out for me in the pre-show that I was talking to Steve as I was reading the article, is this. 20%, sorry, 2%, 2%, guys, not 
2%. of the reason why you live longer is genetic. We've all seen those photographs. I've got Guinness World Record books here, Steve, and it's somebody that's French or somebody that's Italian, and 110, 115, 118, 120 years of age. And you go, it must be genetics. And then you do the old thing about them being able to smoke a cigar every day and all that kind of stuff. In reality, it is 2% genetic. And this is according to this study. And the rest, at least 80%, is lifestyle. Now, I suspect it's actually that those numbers are a little bit off because of what's happened to the other 18%. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying in the article 80% lifestyle and just 2% genetic. So, guys... If we give you these lifestyle tips, if we tell you about what these people are doing, then you can make some of these changes. And as much as we talk on this podcast about performance-enhancing drugs as an enhancement for our strength and our power and our muscle, the rest of the time when we're talking about specifically diet and nutrition, but training and other elements that we bring into this fitness, muscle-building, strength lifestyle are supposed to be about positive actions and about extending, for example, your heart rate. And we did heart health yesterday, Steve, in a podcast. We're talking about these other aspects which will extend your ability to stay strong, extend your ability to retain muscle. To, I mean, the dream here, Steve, and what we'd love to get out of this podcast is being big and strong and muscular and lean and ripped into our old age and a certain quality of lifestyle that would be above and beyond just getting around and coping and being medicated up the yin-yang. Back with you. Yeah, and medicated up, you know, up your butt for the rest of your life, you know, uh, that's not fun. It's expensive. It's a waste of money. And it's not what we strive to do. We want to be healthy. We want to enjoy our 60s, 70s, and our 80s. We don't want to be medicated and in and out of hospitals in our 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, you know, it's I'm I'm a big believer of of living healthy. Um, if it gets to the point where I need to be medicated and, and all that stuff, then I, I'm not interested. I just want to be, I want to live a long and healthy life and enjoy life and be happy. So, you know, life, life is short. Even if you live to hundred, life is still very short. So you want to enjoy it. So let's get into some of the, 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 the nine things that they discovered that these people were doing in the blue zones. And the first one monster is that people in the blue zones, they do things and they do things like grow gardens. They do yard work. They do normal things that our ancestors have always done. Uh, if you watch a bird, if you have a bird nest outside your house, every you always see your bird, the bird, you know, he works on his nest. He goes and gets sticks. He goes and gets leaves. He's working on his nest every day. Same thing with any type of animal. They they're doing that every day. So, you know, doing housework and doing yard work and doing gardening and all that nice stuff and being outdoors in the sun and that basically, and they're doing it because that's what they want to do. It's they're basically, it's called, they live, it says they live in environments that constantly nudge them into moving without thinking about it. So when you go and you do something you're enjoying, you know, I, I like gardening you're going and doing something you enjoy like that. It just comes naturally and, and you enjoy it. And that's what they do. So they move, you know, they do this. Um, when they go from place to place, mobsters talked about this on other podcasts. They walk down to, to town if they have to run an errand. They, you know, it's 
they go down to the ocean if they want to, you know, watch the sunset or watch the sunrise or whatnot. They they have this connection with the environment. They enjoy nature. You know what I'm saying? They're not plundering it. They're enjoying it. So this is a big part of what they're doing. And it's 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 getting the body moving. It's just, it's keeping the body active. And mobster, feel free to jump in anytime you want on these. Well, this is the thing, yeah. and Stephen and I talked about this in a pre-show. I mean, guys, it's I understand listen, the benefits of technology are wonderful. They really are, all right. But it's the difference between having a machine, for example, to turn over the soil in your garden or getting out there with a hole and a shovel and a fork and turning stuff over. And you know, and again, I mean, I'd love to win the lottery, Steve. Would I would I if I brought a great big farm or or some sort of estate or something else to live on, would I have help? Sure. But I would be outside with the guys. I would be out there at the, the very least supervisor. And I got to do some of that work myself because the problem here is it's is too easy. And this is what Steve means about that kind of element of lifestyle where you have to walk and do stuff like that. But I do this all the time. And I talked about it on another show when we talk about heart health, as I just referred to. I walk to the gym. I don't drive to the gym to do cardio. It doesn't make any sense to me, Steve. I walk to the gym. I just walk to the gym and for a mile. I walked a mile or a slightly over a mile because I was did by the shops and I've come back and I'm going to go and get some more steps this afternoon. My target daily steps is like 6,000. I hit 8,800 yesterday, same the day before. So I'm going over that stuff. And it's literally getting your hands dirty. So exactly, go to these zones. A lot of these people can actually afford the technology. See, they have remarkably high levels of wealth sometimes when they've got these estates and these farms and these vineyards and these gardens and so on and so forth. But what they're actually doing is they they understand and appreciate the element of the lifestyle which is hands-on. Literally, for example, if you grow your own grapes to make wine, let's say in Sardinia, like Steve talked about already, going out into the vineyard and touching the grapes, touching the plants, looking at the, the health of the plants, and that going out and touching them and not just employing people or using machines is the element that we're talking about. If we talk about Akinara in Japan, we're talking about going out and fishing for the fish. Steve talks about this stuff. And you, you don't understand the element of getting out. And I say you don't. Some of you won't understand the element of the fresh air, the sun on your face, the literally there's a sense of satisfaction. So that comes from well-being of catching your own fish and then eating it within an hour of landing, Steve, putting it on a grill, gutting it, deheading it, getting it ready, putting some lemon juice on it, whatever. And again, it'll be things like the lemons are local. The, the charcoal they're using is made by a buddy of yours. The fish you caught, you've caught two fish, and your buddy, because he's provided with you the charcoal, he gets a fish, and you're eating the fish. And it's something you caught that morning in your family, and you're sitting down to eat it with, with real wine and real food and vegetables that have come from your garden. And just the whole getting up early to go out and fish, catching the fish, socializing with your buddies, coming back and eating it, and it's all fresh, it's all healthy. You know, You know where it's come from. You looked at the fish when it came out of the water. You could all of those things, and then the fresh air and the sunshine, even the wind. All of that stuff makes a difference. People don't get it, and I understand. I've been in the other lifestyle. I've been in it where you've got to work, do the grind, pay the bills, pay your mortgage. I've been there, but there's an element of almost taking a step back. Technology can still play. You can still have satellite TV. You can still have Wi-Fi, but some of these things, some of these connections, and the fact that nearly all the food's local, you know who's made it, including the booze, including the alcohol, all of those things, you know where it came from. You know the the, the, the vineyard that those grapes came from that your buddy uses to make a sherry, all of that kind of stuff. And people 
that thing, that element, the well-being, everything all ties together. And the simple fact that you have to walk or had to walk down to the beach to catch the boat at six o'clock in the morning to go fishing, that was exercise. Being out, rowing out the boat, or even going out with the motor and spending time out at sea is exercise. And then coming back, you've earned that food. So there's all of those elements. And we're going to get into other aspects where we've seen it go wrong and we've seen what happens where sometimes far food in, and is introduced into those areas or they start driving or the new motorway comes through and all those kind of things. And these have an effect. And it's, it's, it's strange because one of those things, do I want to live a high quality lifestyle when I'm 100 years of age Chief, and I'm still able to catch my own food? I'm still able to grow my own food. I, 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 I feed the pigs nuts so that when I... When I kill them and eat them, I can taste the nuts in the pork flesh. That, that is, It's a perfect lifestyle. I'm able to do some of those things now, Steve, just in terms of being able to buy them. But be able to do it yourself, you that people don't understand. Yes, it's work, but it's healthy work. It's And again, you're 100 years old with all your facilities, with very, very low levels of dementia, like Steve said, and Alzheimer's, with great heart health, with cholesterol levels that are amazing. We've talked about this, and I mentioned it on the forum, Steve changing your diet, eating healthy fats, not bad fats, and seeing people go, what medication can I take? What is there a supplement I can use to improve my cholesterol? No, motherfucker, fix your diet. Get the fuck off your ass, go out for a walk, and fix your diet, because that will improve it. Hell, we've had adverts from margarine over here, Steve, and all it was is they changed the oil in the margarine, and people's cholesterol numbers went down. In other words, it was a better oil, it was a healthier oil. So, yeah, back to you. So what is, you know, that ties into where these blue zones are located. Um, they're located all in mild climates. They're located in places where you can be in shorts year round and sandals. They're not located in cold climates. They're not located in, in hot climates. So that's another factor as human beings. Where do we belong? That's it's very important. We belong in a place with mild temperatures. If we get too cold or we get too hot, it's not good for our bodies. If you live up in the mountains in a high altitude, it's not good for our body. Suicide rates in high altitudes is much higher because of the lack of oxygen in our brains. So think about where you're living right now. That can have a major effect on your your on your health and, and how long you live. That's that's something that um you know it's gonna upset a lot of people, but it's the truth. Um, and I myself, I live in an overly hot climate myself. It beats my body into the into the into the brains. I would love to move to one of these blue zones areas just to enjoy that. And I'm planning on it one day. I would like to move to one of these blue zones for sure. Now, um, in terms of diet, mobsters started getting if you want to touch on that, mobster, yeah. really quick. Good. Okay, let's let's talk let's talk about the diet for a second here, guys. So I'm not talked about Stephen a pre-show of a fellow going to a restaurant and had an amazing glass of sherry with the meal and says to the the restaurant to the owner because it's one of those real small places where it's you're being served by the owner, you're not being served by a waiter. And he says, "Where does the sherry come from?" And the owner points to the back of the restaurant, and he says, "No, no, I don't mean where did you get it from from the cupboard or the shelf or or, or the store." No, no, he says the restaurant to we make the sherry here. And he takes him out the back of the restaurant and takes him into a small warehouse uh, off the back of the restaurant. And they are making the sherry there. And it, where the grapes come from, where the wines that the sherry is made out come from. And he explains all this. He says, These are all local. This has come three miles. This has come two miles. The barrels are made by a friend of mine. And it was made in the fucking restaurant, Steve. So here's the thing. The food hasn't traveled hundreds, if not thousands of miles. It hasn't come halfway around the world on a refrigerating ship. It hasn't even come 100 or 200 miles on a truck. It is made 
in the village. The, the stuff is like, again, I'm making my own ice cream. We talked to Steve in the pre-shows for another podcast. I'm making my own ice cream. And the only artificial thing that's in there that I add is an artif- a teaspoon of artificial flavoring. Everything else, if it hasn't, I've, I'm adding no artificial ingredients to it. If they're not in the products that I'm adding to the ice cream, I'm not adding to it. Yeah, so, yeah. Read gonna, that thing that you talk, read out this wine. This is American So, so wine. the reason we're bringing up wine is in most of these blue zones, not the advent, not in California, not the Adventus in, in uh, South California, but in the other blues, especially in the Sardinia, Icaria, they do drink a glass of wine a day. But the wine that they're eat, drinking is natural wine. This is the typical wine in America. This is that you would get from 100% of the wine you get at a restaurant or a supermarket in America. These are what they add to the wine. Sugar. They add sugar to the wine because they want to make it sweet, right? They want it to make it taste good. Sulfur dioxide, potassium sorbate, and potassium meta metabisulfite. These are preservatives. They want the wine to last. That's why they add those. Powdered tannins, Grape juice concentrate, so it's not even natural, naturally coming from the grapes. Flavors, natural and artificial flavors, and calcium carbonate. Again, they add these preservatives to preserve it and make it taste a certain way. The wine that they drink in these blue zones, I'm, I would imagine, are very bitter. And you would you would drink the wine, it would, and you would probably not like the wine if you're a wine drinker now. You would not like the wine that they drink. It's going to taste completely different because it is the pure wine. So it's basically grape natch. It's a grape pure raw grape grape juice that has been fermented. That's pretty much what they're drinking. It tastes nothing like the wine that they sell in America. Okay, so if you want to follow the blue zone and you you're a wine drinker or whatever. You can you can drink some wine, a glass of wine, but it's got to be that natural wine. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And uh, I'm not a, an alcohol. I don't drink alcohol at all. The Adventists don't drink alcohol. Okinawa, they don't really drink very much alcohol. So, I mean, it's not something. But we wanted to just um, add that in there. Um, Mobs are coming at real quick. We got to go over the let diet, give, basically. Give another, yeah. give another quick one, right? So this, again, I'll just refer to the ice cream that I'm making here, Steve. Uh, it's a little bit of a hobby of mine, but it's all it's there's a local company called Sub Zero who do some amazing stuff with nitrogen to freeze the, the cream very quickly. And, and it's the top, the crystals are tiny, and it's a completely different product from what you'd buy in a local supermarket, for example. But as an example, again, they make a sorbet, uh, they make several sorbets, and their sorbets are disgusting. And I say that because the rest of the products are spot on, they really are. But the problem with the sorbets is sorbets essentially is a sugared water, frozen sugared water. That's what it is. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. But when you read the ingredient list for their sorbets, it's 19 or 20 ingredients. And the reason for that is because it needs to go to supermarkets and shops. It's going to be on the shelf for a while. It's going to travel. It's going to be possibly in the sun, the brightly lit supermarket, and all these kind of things. And even with the tubs they use, the light's going to get inside. So they have to have antioxidants. In case the lid the, the lid comes loose or something like, they have to have preservatives. It, I'll give you an example again, Steve. It's the sort of stuff where if you put it, if you took it out of the tub and you put it in the sink, you'd think it would melt like real quick. And you come back an hour later, this is like chemical sludge at the bottom. And I'm not just playing the sub zero. There's a bunch of companies like this. So the, the thing of it is, and I'll give you give an example again with Sardinia again, Steve. Locally produced ice cream in Sardinia will be a gelato, but it will be a proper gelato. And the ingredients list 
as an example, my own homemade vanilla ice cream is vanilla essence, not even not even artificial flavoring, a vanilla essence. It is double cream. It is sugar, which is, is we're not talking about super healthy levels of fat or sugar here, Steve. Um, two eggs, and I think that's it. I think, and oh, and and, and a, a, a cup of milk, half a half a cup of milk, half a cup of sugar, uh, a tub of double cream, and two eggs and vanilla essence. So that's five ingredients, Steve. Five ingredients, and none of those are artificial. The sugar you could maybe argue is the thing is though they don't they don't consume dairy in these blue zones. It's very very it's, little dairy. It's, it's so that would be cheese. Yeah, that would be a very cheeses, but it'd be it'd be like goat's cheese for example. Yeah. guys, you can you can check up the nutritional profile of goat's cheese. So in let me fact, go over the nutrition because we don't you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. let me yeah. let me go over because I don't want people to go off base here. So ninety five to one hundred percent of their diet in these blue zones are plant based. But the different blue zones have different diets. Like in Okinawa, a lot of their diet is sweet potatoes. But then in other parts of the world, like in the Costa Rica, like the Costa Rican blue zone, they do a lot of beans and beans. So it just depends on which blue zone you're at. They don't eat the same diet, but they mostly are plant-based. They don't consume very much dairy. Um, what mobster was referring to is a rare treat that they would eat maybe on a holiday or something. But in America, we eat stuff like that every single day. They don't eat very many eggs, no more than three per week. They don't eat very much fish, even in Okinawa, fewer than three ounces, up to three times weekly. They'll get meat two ounces or less, maybe five times per month. So it's very, it's very unlikely. In America, we eat meat like every day, tons of meat every day. Nuts is what they snack on. Lots of water. Uh, that's mostly what they drink. They'll have some wine, what we talked about in moderation, maybe some coffee and tea in moderation, but that's it. And then um, basically their entire diet was mobster was talking about single ingredient, raw, yep. cooked, ground or fermented and not processed. That is local. their diet. Local. And, yeah, it's local. It's gotta be local. So if you want, you know, um, good quality food, always buy local. Now, when it comes to fruit, I talked about this on prior, prior podcasts, and even with vegetables, yeah. they pick the fruit unripened, then ship it. So by the time it gets to you, it's going to be somewhat ripened. You know, we see this a lot with avocados, for example. You ever go to the grocery store and the you know, avocado is not even ripe yet. You buy it three days later, you leave it on your counter, then it ripens up. That's incorrect. You've got to pick the fruit when it's ripe you don't pick the fruit unripe and then have it ripen makes a big difference so guys even if you're trying to eat like these people eat it's really hard to do it unless you're actually there and that's a huge advantage they have mobster of actually being there and actually being able to you know just walk down to a farm and buy it fresh so try to do that where you live try to look buy local and go to the local farmer in terms of macros, 65% of the diet is carbs, 20% is fats, and just 15% proteins. That flies in the face of what we've been taught in America to eat. You know, In America, it's mostly 40-40-20, 40% carbs, 40% protein, 20% fat. So that's interesting. So again, guys, a lot of you, you know, you're not going to like what I'm saying, but I'm this is the what they do. You know, and it flies in the face to what you've been taught growing up. 
you know, and a lot of things. So these are tools that you can use, even if you're a bodybuilder, even if you like to eat a lot of meat and stuff, these are some tools that you can do. Maybe it's time to cut back a little bit on the meat and, and, and eat more fruits and vegetables. Honestly, yesterday, how many vegetables did you eat? Many of you are going to raise your hand and say none. You didn't eat any. Did I eat yeah. a lot of vegetables yesterday? I had some broccoli and some spinach. I didn't eat a lot, though. I need to improve uh, how much vegetables I eat, too. I need to do a better job of that, too. Safe. So you really have to look at your diet. Yeah, go ahead, Monster. Let's, yeah. let's, 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 get, let's get onto the circadian rhythm, right? So I'll start this off, Steve. There's an element of, in these lifestyles, again, where they get up when the sun rises, sometimes a little bit before, and they'll go to sleep, and especially, I'm thinking of quite a few of these countries, when the sun goes down. But there's another thing that is interesting, Steve, and I had a quick look at this, and again, in the article that we're referencing for this podcast, where as often as not, they're having an afternoon nap of the hottest part of the day. And now, if you look at the countries that we're talking about, they're, they're, they're kind of warm. They're not like, they're not in the desert or anything, guys, but they're kind of warm-ish countries. And certain times of the year, when the, hot, the sun is at its absolute, you know, in the summertime, when it's at its absolute hottest, you don't want to be out in the fields plowing or growing crops or plucking the grapes off the vine or, or, or out and fish, fishing or whatever else. So here's what they do is they get up a little bit before dawn. They get as much work as they can done before the absolute worst part of the heat of the day. And then they, in essence, chill. And they, they chill for about one to two hours. Some of that time is a nap, literally what the Spanish used to call a siesta. And you don't have to actually be asleep, but you have your feet up and you're completely relaxed. I've done this, and Steve and I talked about this, and because of the lifestyle, even just doing these podcasts, we're not following some of the elements of things that we've done in the past. So in the past, I've done the crazy, crazy leg workout, let's say on a Monday morning. I would come home and have a small meal, and then I would put my feet up and close my eyes. And if I didn't fall asleep, I was as close to going to sleep as it's possible to get for about 20 minutes. The maximum really is around 40 minutes because you have an element of sometimes if you have deeper sleep, you feel kind of weird for the rest of the day. But it's a great growth hormone thing, which is good for your skin, which is great for any age. And of course, it's a great way to recover from the workout. If you look at top professional bodybuilders, they don't mention it as much as they should, but a lot of them are doing that. They have the hard workout, they go in and have something to eat, and then they are literally feet up on a sofa or in one of those lovely relaxing reclining type chairs and eyes closed for 20 to 40 minutes. And this lifestyle that we're talking about, there's a lot of that in there. There's a Cadian rhythm in terms of getting up with the sun, going to sleep with the sun. There's an element sometimes in, this, in the summer months, it's so hot, for example, in, in Greece, uh, in Icaria, in the area that was one of the blue zones there, that they will get out of the sun in the daytime. And so what they do there is they socialize. And in fact, something else I want to touch on, Steve, here, which is mentioned in the blue zone uh, nine, and it's the social aspect. And it's the social aspect of being part of the community. Now, they talk about religion, but you don't have to be religious in order to be involved in your community. But that essence of being local, involved in your community, being involved in community-type projects, whether it's going to church and sitting before your version of God and praying, you're doing basically good deeds. And you are having good social relations with your neighbors, with the extended family in the village and so on and so forth. And this re relaxes you. You're not stressing. You're not worried about what people are thinking because you're talking to these people every day. You're doing stuff within the community. There are events in, again, I think of Spain and Italy and, and Greece against Steve, where they come together. Sometimes it's a religious thing, but as often as not, it's an excuse for the community to come together. And it might be 
I'll give you an example, Steve. Yeah. One they help each do. other. They yes. help each other. They don't yes. put each other down like we do in America and starve. The UK, yeah. they don't starve homeless people and they don't put, you know, they don't. It's just amazing the difference. Um, and they feel good because yeah. of it. And because they feel good. In America, it's like we give tax breaks to billionaires and corporations and we treat poor people like shit. And we live way less than what we should for the, the the medical advancements we have. These places, if your neighbor can't pay his bill, the community puts all their money in a hat and says, here, we're helping you. And then the karma is going to come back because one day you're going to be in trouble and you're going to need help. They help Just you. Just reminded me of one, Steve. Let me tell this story very quickly. So when I was a young lad, there was an Italian family that lived up the street from me. They owned what we call a fish and chip shop here in the UK. And fish and chip shops use hot fat to cook the fish and to make the batter and cook the chips and so on and so forth. And because of hot fat, there's an element of fire risk. In my teenage years, up to my early, I'm going to say early, maybe mid-20s, they had over that period, probably so 20, 25 years, free fires. And their families and extended families came together and repaired the place in a week. In other words, if something happened within the community, they would come together as a community, an Italian community in London, southeast London, other fish and chip shops, other people, extended family members, people that were connected by, by, by friendship, people that were connected by marriage, and they fixed the place. And then if something happened, you did the same. The same happened within the Greek community. Same sometimes happened within the Chinese community. Now, there's an element of you're in another country and you're, 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 you're doing that kind of stuff. But they got this habit from the home countries. They got it from those blue zones. If you're in Okinawa and there's a hurricane, there's an earthquake, you go and help your neighbor. You help them repair the house. You push that door back into position. You bring over nails and a saw to help them cut yeah. the wood. And you're doing this stuff all the time. And this, knowing that you can help, helps you and makes you feel good so you're less stressed. But equally, knowing that people will come and help you if you have a problem is less of a stress. And here's, yep, yeah. here's an example of that. In Icaria, there was a story of a guy. His name was Stamatis Moratis. He moved to America when he was 22 years old to pursue the American dream. He was for, you know, he was a painter. He worked his way up. He got very successful, got married, had three kids, living the American dream, got a house and everything. 44 years later, he's 66 years old, terminal lung cancer. The doctor said, you're, you're going to die. Within a year, you're dead. So what he did, he picked his stuff up. He moved back to Icaria and moved in with his parents. And then he started doing what they do in the blue zone. Everything they do in the blue zones. He planted a garden. He breathed the air. He just stuck to a Mediterranean diet, what they eat over there. And it's been 37 years, and the guy is still alive. He was supposed to be dead. If he had stayed in America, he would have been dead within a year, following the, what the Americans do. But he moved there, and 100 years old, and he's still alive. And now he lives on a vineyard, and he's enjoying life. So that's a perfect example of what Mobster was just saying. It's all about your environment, guys. You've got to put yourself in an environment to be successful. In all these blue zones, you know, another example, Loma Linda, there's a doctor. His name is Dr. Ellsworth Warham, 95 years old. A contractor wanted to charge him $6,000 to build a privacy fence in his yard. So instead of paying the contractor, he did it himself. 
And then it took him three days to build a fence. And then he ended up in the hospital. But here's the interesting thing. He was in the hospital, not because he was on the table, but because he was actually a surgeon performing open house surgery. So he's he's still doing 20 surgeries per month. And he's in his mid 90s. That's a perfect example of the blue zones and how they they live. So in each of these blue zones, they have different religions. They have different beliefs. It's not about following one specific religion or, or different belief. But you have to have some sort of purpose every day when you wake up. That's very, very, very important. And, um, you know, and then the last thing, basically, I want to talk about mobster and I'll let you touch on anything is fasting. All these blue zones do fasting, specifically on Icaria, which is the island off the coast of Greece. They do 150 days of Greek Orthodox religious fasting a year. So they might fast for a day, then eat the next day, or they might fast for two or three days and eat for two or three days. So overall, they're spending about half their year fasting. And what when you do that, when you do a lot of fasting, you recycle old cells into new cells. So it's very anti-aging. You boost growth hormone in the body and you do a lot of good things in the body. It's great for your gut health. It's an anti-stressor on your body. So in all these blue zones, they do different types of fasting. Some of them do inter the time-restricted intermittent fasting where they only eat in a four to six hour window. Some of them do full day fasting. Some of them do five day fast or one week fast. The, the, all their fasting is a little bit different, but the point is they all do a lot of fasting. So these are the common denominators in these blue zones that these guys, these people are following. And it's really fascinating how well it's working for them to follow these common denominators amongst them mobster um and i you know we pretty much you know we covered you know pretty much everything about this i mean a lot of it is the way they approach life the way they eat yeah. food the, the 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 way they they do all this stuff and being part of a community is very very important you know I, i'll tell you something mobster I'll, I'll let you jump in for your thoughts but there was another thing here uh the, the one of the nine things that that they they found common in the was who you're hanging out with. So an example is I want you to think about the five people you hang out with in your life. What kind of people are they? And there's a study, it's called Framing Him Studies. And they did research on this. And they found that these people in the blue zones, they have social circles that support healthy behaviors. And basically, these are friends committed to each other for life who are always there for each other. They all meet up every day. They have a social you know, circle. If one of them doesn't show up, they will all go there, check up on them, make sure they're okay. Now, if you hang out with people who smoke, if you hang out with people who are obese, if you hang out with people who are lonely, if you hang out with people who are miserable, then guess what's going to happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> So think about that now. Think about the people you're hanging out with. I talk about this. Me and Mom should talk about this all on the forums. People who want to are into the party lifestyle. They go and they smoke. They go to bars. They go to clubs. They live this type of lifestyle. That's not even that's not bodybuilding and that's not fitness. If you're that type of person, so who you're hanging out with and what you're doing absolutely affects your long term health as well. And the studies prove it. 
So go ahead, Master. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the conclusion for you guys. So here's the thing, right? And I'm reading a particular part here, which was about the 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 amount of people that don't keep diets going, don't make changes. And if they do make changes, they become temporary, not long-term. So here's the thing. And you don't have to go back to the dark ages or the medieval times here, guys. You don't have to live in a in a shed in the wood and go and hunt for a bear and all that kind of stuff. But what you do need to do is you need to get into what we call the lifestyle. So what do I mean by that? Just Let's just touch on a diet, but the other limits, the same rules apply. What a lot of people do is they eat healthy for a brief period of time. And we call it a diet. And what happens is that the diet, let's say, for example, the target is to lose six pounds and you lose the six pounds. And then you go back to an unhealthy way of eating. And what you should be doing, and I say should, because you want this length of, of life, we want to be healthy, we don't want cancer, we don't want dementia, is that you should live a healthy lifestyle. So what does that mean? It means, for example, guys, getting up 20 minutes early and doing a little bit of exercise if you, if you work in an office, you're not going to go out and dig up your garden and grow your own fruit and vegetables. Get up and do some steps before work. Don't just jump in the car or sit on the train and not move around. Get up to 20 minutes. Go for a quick walk around the local park, straight back into the house, ready for work, hit it, and you'll be invigorated. Get up at work. We know that we shouldn't sit at a desk all the time, so get up and walk around at work. Go out, Again, eat your, especially in the summertime, go and eat your food outside. Don't eat inside at your desk. Go outside and eat it as best you possibly can. Make your own food. And don't just do this, like I said, for a short period of time. Do it all the time. All the time. It's not as expensive as you think to make your own stuff. Like Steve's already said, grow, buy food, the same food that you're already eating, but get it locally. Get it made by someone you know that makes this. I'll give you an example, Steve. I like, and I'm sure you've had one or two in your life, a proper, properly made pizza. Now, there's a huge difference between going to the supermarket, going to the mall and having a pizza out of a restaurant or going to the supermarket and buying one off the shelf as opposed to making it at home. Making it at home, out of, you know what's gone into the base, the flour. You've, 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 a buddy of yours gave you tomatoes. Someone else is a local farm that produces the cheese. And the top is, and all of these things. I mean, just that small thing would be 10 ingredients less. You've made it. So you've actually exercised in the process of kneading the dough. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's true. And it's also, like I said, again, going out, taking a homemade food or locally produced food with you, with the family, with the wife, with the girlfriend, with the partner, with the kids, with whoever, and going for a walk earning the food there's also an element which Steve touched on earlier on of you don't have to starve and you don't even have to fast Steve, but going hungry so, so there's some point in the day where in our lifestyle now and it applies to me sitting here talking to you i can get off and walk 50 yards to a shop to buy food a snack some junk food i can have a burger that you can zap in a microwave or i can make the food myself and having to make the food myself is better having to walk to go to get food. As an example, Steve, one of the tricks I've done when I've been training is I won't have crap food in the house. I'm going to have got a lot of crap food in the house right now because it's Christmas, but I'm having no crap food in the house. And if I want it, I have to get off my ass and go and get it. 
And if I don't, if I'm feeling lazy, I won't go and get it. So then I'm not having crap food. It's as simple as that. I've got plenty of healthy food, so I have to eat healthy food. And this is the this is the thing here, Steve. So the lifestyles we're talking about, they're not got huge fridge freezers full up to the brim with junk food. One more thing, and I'll touch on this very, very quickly before I sum up. There's an element of, and I made a note of this, Steve, and we talked about it in the pre-show. Those places, these blue zones, have occasionally had, for one reason or another, commercial reasons as much as anything else, a fast food franchise has appeared. And very, very quickly, second generation, that's the children, third generation, their children, have started to have issues with cholesterol, started to have issues with dementia, started to have issues with cancers because they've changed their lifestyle. Some of these villages have had a freeway or a motorway come through that wasn't there before, and suddenly they have access to the city, which they couldn't get to easily. And just having the pollution from the motorway and just having the access to the city, which was much more difficult before, and just having this far, far easier access to what I'll be crude and say crap has made a difference. And we've seen that. It has been measured. The people that were still living the older lifestyle were healthy. Those with the, 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 the new lifestyle started to lose years off their life, started to show more issues with cholesterol and stress and all the other issues that we've raised already and seen that. And that's happened within a generation, Steve. So keep that in mind, guys. Some of these things you can do for yourself and they're not super hard. And even if you only adapt, adopt even one or two of these elements, you will start to see a change. If you see those changes, then adopt more. It's not super expensive. And sometimes it's just a little bit of work on your part to see these things happen. Even if it's just a little tiny vegetable patch, even if it's just throwing fruit or something like that in a window box, guys, you will note a tiny little change to the quality of life. And it will build up and build up. And then suddenly you'll be doing all these blue zone activities and you'll thank us for it. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.